Shalom, shalom. Welcome, welcome, everyone. Welcome, world changers. Tonight, we're going to get into several more Psalms. We're going to read a little bit more of First Chronicles as well. D- dig into those genealogies a little bit. And it, we're here answering your questions and responding to your comments as well and fellowshipping. So welcome, welcome, everyone. In the live chat, we have we have Mark says Shalom. One John says Shalom. Kalamentos says Shalom, everyone. KMJJ says Shalom, all. Jeff says Shalom. And Mike says greetings from the thriving metropolis of Omaha, Nebraska. Shalom's all around. Shalom. Vinny says Shalom. The Great Deception says Shalom. Shalom. Welcome, everyone. Hope you guys are having an awesome, awesome evening. And I uh, pray that God bless you today. And I know uh, we have Vinny here that's uh, on the, from down under. So it's, uh, it's not this evening for Vinny, I know, but wherever you are in the world, I pray that God bless you mightily, mightily, mightily. All right. So, um, awesome, awesome. All right. So, Jared, I'm not sure if I'm... Uh, not sure how to pronounce your name. Gary, Gary, uh, says Shalom, Shalom. Good to see you. Welcome, welcome. Psalm 94 says Shalom. <laughs> uh, were you writing backwards? Maybe you were writing backwards there. Um, I think, it, I think you're, I think you mean Shalom, everyone. Shalom, Shalom to you as well. And those of you on, the uh, podcast, the live podcast, Shalom as well to you guys. Okay, so let's get into First Chronicles chapter three, and uh, I'm going to read First uh, Chronicles chapter three, chapter four, chapter five, and we're going to get into some psalms as well. So we've got three different psalms that we want to speak of. All right. So, um, by the way, as always, we. Uh, if you know of anybody that uh, you want to uh, welcome to join us, you know, send them a message, say, join us on the live stream. I'm wondering if we will see Jay back here from last night. Last night, I know uh, Jay wanted to ask a few questions. So just wondering if Jay is is there or is going to join us tonight. Uh, we'll see what happens. Okay, so let's begin. This is First Chronicles chapter 3. Getting into these genealogies again. Now, these were the sons of David who were born to him in Hebron. The first was Amnon by Ohinoam, uh, the Israelitess. The second was Daniel by Abigail, the Carmelitess. The third was Absalom, the son of Makah, the daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur. The fourth was Adonijah, or Adonijah, the, the son of Hagith. The fifth was Shephetiah by Abital. The sixth was Ithraim by his wife Eglah. The sixth was born to him in Hebron, and he reigned there for seven years and six months. And in Jerusalem, he reigned for 33 years. These were the children born to him in Jerusalem. Shemaiah, Shemaiah, Shobab, Nathan or Natan, 
uh, and Solomon. Four by Bet Bathshua, daughter of Amiel, and Ibhar, Elishama, Eliphalet, Noga, Nepheg, Yafia, Elishama, Eliada. Just, a, just out of curiosity, can you imagine uh, meeting these people in heaven? <laughs> I mean, we're going to have to learn how to pronounce these names. I mean, if we, ha if we have to call these names, meeting these people. Oh, you are the son of David. You were the uh, Elishim Shosh, whatever your name is. Shemaya, Shemaya. Um, yeah. So... We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Elishima, Aliada, Aliphalet, nine. Speaking of nine, verse nine, all of these were, were the sons of David besides the sons of the concubines, and Tamar was their sister. Now Solomon was Rehoboam, and uh, then Abiyah, or Abijah, was his son, Asa. Some people pronounce it as Asa. I think it's Asa would be a little bit more to, true to the original. Uh, his son, Yehoshaphat, his son, Yoram, his son, Ahaziah, his son, Yoash, his son, Amaziah, his son, Azariah, his son, Yotham, his son, Ahaz, his son, Hezekiah. Um, just a little footnote here in the Hebrew, Kizkiahu. Kizkiahu uh, is uh, how you pronounce Hezekiah in the Hebrew. Uh, and his son, Manasseh, or Manasseh, his son. Am Amon, his son. Josiah, his son. The sons of uh, Josiah were Yohonan, Yohonanan, excuse me, Yohonanan. This is actually... Uh, the uh, form of the name John, by the way. This is an ancient form of the name John. So when you read, um, you know, the New Testament and you get to John, John the Baptist or you know, John the Disciple, it wasn't a new name. Uh, it was a name that was used for hundreds, perhaps even over a thousand years uh, before. Actually, it would have been over a thousand years before. Um, the New Testament was ever even written before John the Baptist was ever born. And the second, Jehoiakim, Yeho the third, Zedekiah, the fourth, Shalom. The sons of Jehoiakim were his son, Yaconiah, and his son, Zedekiah. By the way, a lot of people would say, well, what, what do we have? Why do we reading why do we have to know all this genealogy well you know what really it's not uh if you're if you're reading the bible for the first time if you're reading the bible for the first time i would suggest you just skip over it i would suggest you, you just skip over it um i think the genealogies are good for deep study especially the study of the genealogies uh also for uh what i mentioned there a few uh, a few days ago for comparing one account to the other account, comparing First Chronicles to Genesis, for example, or comparing First Chronicles to Matthew, uh, the genealogy, genealogies in Matthew, or Luke, for example. And Lord willing, we'll get to that um, coming this Shabbat, by the way, comparing, looking into some of these Gospels and comparing them. Again, I don't want to come with an overly 
negative point of view or an overly positive point of view. Want to come with a matter of fact point of view. Want to come with a very unbiased, objective point of view and look exactly what Matthew says, compare it to what Luke says, compare it to what Chronicles, compare it to what Genesis. We got a lot to talk about. And that's not even to mention the um, so-called harmony of the Gospels. So, Verse 17, the sons of Yochaniah, the prisoner, were his son Shealtiel and Malkiram, Malkiram, <clears throat> Padaya, Shanazar, Yakamia, Hoshama, and Nab- Neb- uh, Nedabia. The sons of Pediah were Zerubbabel and Shimei. The sons of Zerubbabel were Meshulam and Hananiah. And Shelemith were was their sister. And Hash, Hashubah, Ohel, Berechiah, Hasadiah, and Yashab. Hesed, Hesed, five. The sons of Hananiah were Pelatiah and Yeshaya, the sons of Rephiah, the sons of Arnon, the sons of Obadiah, the sons of Shechaniah. The descendants of Shechaniah were Shemaiah and the sons of Shemaiah. Hatush, Igal, Bariah, Neriah, and Shaphat, or Shaphat. Six, the sons of Neriah were Elionai, Hizkiah, and Azrikam. Three, the sons of Elionai were Hodaviah, Eliashib, Pelaya, Pelaya, Akub, Yohanan, excuse me, Yohanan, Yohanan, Delia, and Anani. Seven. We'll get to First Chronicles, chapter four. Okay, so the question here is um, from Psalm 94, any idea of when Onia will be back? Um, nothing nothing in, in, uh, in stone, so to speak, right now. I'm uh, basically in the process of talking to him uh, in regards to when he's going to come back and, uh, and what he's going to talk about. Um, actually, I'd like to have him back more often, but, I mean, he's, uh, uh, he doesn't want to... Uh, he doesn't want to push it very much. I mean, in the sense of uh, he made it, uh, he, uh, he, he let us, you know, he told us there a few times, um, not the last time he was on, but before uh, that uh, he doesn't want to do this every week. He wants to do it perhaps once a month or something like this. Uh, just a little bit too much for him to do every week, I suppose. So I'll let you know um, and I'll schedule it as soon as I have it in stone uh, per se, I will schedule it. Thank you very much for asking. Okay. 
Let's get on to Psalm 73. Psalm 73 is a psalm I will never forget. I remember a church that I used to go to, there was a um, guest speaker that came and spoke about Psalm 73, and I'll never forget it. Psalm 73, when he, the writer here, uh, let me see, Psalm of Asaph, Psalm 73, <clears throat> uh, just a second here. Yeah, um, the writer here is just like saying, you know, basically the whole gist of this psalm is uh, when you look at the wicked people, when you look at the people of the world, you see how prosperous they are. You see how happy they are. You see how carefree they are. And the writer of this psalm says, basically, my f my my feet almost slipped. In other words, I almost backslid, in other words, when I saw how good they had it. And then he goes on to explain his observations he goes on to convey his observations. And then he says, it wasn't until he went to the house of God and then he considered, then he saw their end, the end of these people. These people that are, um, they look like everything's going so well for them. They're so happy. At least it seems like they're happy. I know somebody who... Um, <laughs> you know, you can't really say that someone's happy um, because you don't know. You can only say that what they appear to be happy, what they appear to be happy. If you say that somebody's happy, then um, you're basically saying that, you know, you know, the unseen part of it all. But, but uh, this is a thing. A lot of people, a lot of celebrities, right? A lot of politicians, they may look like everything's going well. They may look like they're ha they have everything they want and everything that they would ever uh, ask for. They may look like they're having he uh, heaven on earth. But you think of it, a lot of these celebrities, far too many, end up taking their own lives, uh, which goes to show that they certainly were not very happy. In spite of the the fame and the power and the money and everything else that they that was at their disposal. So this is what Psalm 73 is about. Psalm 73. Let's read it. God certainly is good to Israel. To those who are pure in heart. Notice it doesn't say to everybody. <clears throat> Excuse me. To those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet came close to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped. Literally, were caused to slip. For I was envious of the arrogant, or the boasters. You know, the world is full of boasters, isn't it? For I was envious of the boasters, the arrogant, as I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for there are no pains in their death, and their belly is fat. They are not in trouble like other people. In trouble, in the footnotes, literally, in the trouble of people. 
nor are they tormented together with the rest of mankind. Therefore, arrogance is their necklace. Isn't that true? Arrogance and pride arises out of a place of of being pampered, really, um, of having it too good. Therefore, arrogance is their necklace. And again, if you are afflicted, like the opposite of what it says here, if you are afflicted, you're not going to be arrogant for very long. You're going to be humble. The garment of violence covers them. Their eye bulges from fatness in the footnotes, literally goes forth from fatness. Their imaginations, the imaginations of their heart overflow. In other words, they dream up some really, they got some real big dreams, they do. They mock and and wickedly speak of oppression, wickedly, or they speak in wickedness. I think that probably suits it a little bit better. From from on high, they speak oppression. In other words, they mock and they speak in wickedness from on high. In other words, from a place of pride. They are they're they're lifted up with pride and, and they speak of oppression. From on high, they speak of oppression. In other words, they speak down to oppression, like they're above any kind of oppression. Verse 9, they have set their mouth against the heavens. In the lots of footnotes here, in the heavens, okay, or in the heavens. They've set their mouth in the heavens or against the heavens. Uh, basically, again, showing a picture of, of great pride, of great exaltation, self-exaltation. And their tongue parades through the earth. Interesting. Walks through the earth, parades through the earth. Therefore, his people return here, or his, as in capital, um, God's people. The abundant waters are drunk by them. They say, how does God know? And is there knowledge with the Most High? Like a lot of people say today, basically, they don't believe that there is any most high, so they they walk it there, they are their own God. Literally, is their knowledge in the most high? Is their knowledge with the most high? Behold, these are the wicked. And they always they're always at ease. They have increased in wealth. So again, According to the ways of the world, or according to the worldly point of view, they are pampered. They have all the money they want. They have all the pleasures of the world that they want. They have increased in wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my my heart pure. This is what the writer of the psalm here, the psalmist says. Surely in vain. In other words, I, I man, I should have just, just, just been one of them. Just, just live like a dog, die like a dog, sin like the rest of the sinners. Why did I keep my heart pure? Why did I miss out on all this fun? Surely in vain I have, in the footnotes, cleansed my heart. <clears throat> And washed my hands in innocence, for I have been stricken all day long and punished every morning. My punishment every morning. 
If I had said, I will speak this way, behold, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. When I thought of understanding this, it was troublesome in my sight. Until I entered the sanctuary of God, until I entered the sanctuaries or sanctuary of God, then I perceived their end. That's this is the key. This is the key phrase, right? In this whole psalm. This is this is it. This is the um this is the turning point of this psalm right here. Then I perceived their end. In other words, he was just he was just focused on their present state or their past. He was he was focused on how these people are doing so well now, but that he didn't really consider or perceive their end until he entered the sanctuary of God. Remember how the, the prophets would cry out, you know, that all flesh is as grass and the glory thereof, like the flowers of the field. bringing everybody to terms with their mortality. Verse 18, you indeed put them on slippery ground. You dropped them into ruin. Deception, literally, or deception. How they are destroyed in a moment. How they become a desolation in a moment. They are utterly swept away by sudden terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, Lord, when stirred, you will despise their image. When my heart was embittered and I was pierced within, then I was stupid and ignorant. I was like an animal before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You have, you have taken hold of my right hand. You will guide me with your plan. And afterward, receive me to glory. To glory in the footnotes with honor. Whom have I in heaven but you? And with you, I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Reminds me of that old hymn, you know, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. Verse 27. For behold, those who are far away from you will perish. You have destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you. In the footnotes. Who go a whoring from you. But as for me, the nearness of God is good for me. I have made the Lord God my refuge, so that I may tell of all your works. 
Yes. Awesome. Awesome. The great deception says here, um, the fool says in his heart, there is no Elohim. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, Psalm 14. It, I, I've, you know, years ago, I remember reading that and thinking, you know, um, if you look at the original, Hebrew. It it can be interpreted like that. It can mean that. But it can also mean the fool says in his heart, no God, no. Basically just saying no to God. Um, but yeah, it can be taken both ways. It can. First Chronicles chapter four. Let's check this out. Back to these genealogies. After this, we'll read another psalm. The sons of Judah were Perez, Hezron, Carmi, Hur, and Shobal. Reya, the son of Shobal, fathered Yahath, and Yahath fathered Ahumai and Lahad. These were the families of the Zorathites. These were the sons of Atam, Yezreel, Ishma, Idbash, in the name of their sister. Imagine having a sister with this name. Imagine having a sister with this name. Hazalopony. Hazalopony. Penuel was the father of Gedur. And Ezer, the father of Husha. These were the sons of Hur, the firstborn of Ephratha, the father of Bethlehem. Ashur, the father of Tokoa, had two wives, Hela and Naara. Naara, Naara bore to, hit, to him Azuzam, excuse me, Ahuzam, Hefer, Temeni, and Hash Ha'ah. <laughs> Ha 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 ha. Okay, let me. This is a tongue tire again. Ha 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 hashtari. Ha ha hashtari. These are the name. The sons of Naara. The sons of Hela were Zareth, Ishar, and Ethnan. Koz fathered Anub. And Zobida, Zobiba, excuse me, and the families of Aharhel, the son of Harum. Yebez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother's his mother name named him Yabez, saying, Because I gave birth to him in pain. Now Yabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would greatly bless me and extend my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, so that it would not hurt me. And God brought about what he requested. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yabez or Jabez. I'm pretty sure some of you probably heard of the prayer of Jabez. Well, this is it right here. The prayer of Jabez. What a beautiful prayer and a beautiful answer to the prayer. Verse 11. Helub, 
the brother of Shuha, fathered Mahir, who was the father of Ashton. Ashton fathered Beit Rafa and Paseya and Ina, the father of Ir Nahash. Ir Nahash, uh, Nahash uh, serpent. Um, in the footnotes, the city of Nahash. These are the men of Rekah. These are the sons of Canaz. The sons of Canaz were Othniel and Sariah. The sons of Othniel were Hathoth, Hathoth and Meonothai. Meonothai fathered Ophrah and Sariah fathered Yo Yoab, the father of Geharashim. In the footnotes, Valley of Craftsmen. Now the sons of Canaz were Othniel and Sariah. And the sons of Othniel were Hatha and Meonathai. Oh, excuse me. I read that. Um, sorry about that. I'm just kind of overlapping here. Verse 15. The sons of Caleb were the, the son of Yafuni were Iru, Ela, and Naam. The son of Ela was Kenaz. The sons of Yahalalel were Zif and Ziva. Tiriah and Asherel. The sons of Ezra were Yether, Mered, Efer, and Yalon. And Mered's wife conceived and gave birth to Miriam, Shammai, and Ishba, the father of Ashtamoah. Miriam in the footnotes. Or Maron, Maron in the Septuagint. Verse 18. His Jewish wife gave birth to Yered, the father of Gedor, Haber, the father of Soko, and Yakuthiel, the father of Zenoah. These were the sons of Bithia, the daughter of Pharaoh, whom Mered married. The sons of the wife of Hodiah, the sister of Naham, were the fathers of Kela. The Garmite and Ashtomoah, the Maakathite. The sons of Shimon were Amnon and Rina and Ben Hanan and Tilon. And the sons of Ishi were Zohath and Ben Zohath. The sons of Shelah, the son of Judah, were Er, the father of Lecha, and Laada, the father of. Maresha. And the, fa the families of the house of the linen workers at Beth Ashbea and Yochim, the men of Kozeba, Yoash, Seraph, who ruled in Moab, and Yashubi, Lechem. And the records are ancient. 
These were the potters and the inhabitants of Nataim and Gedera. They lived there in, with the king for his, the descendants of Simeon. The sons of Simeon were Nemuel and Yamin, Yerib, Zerah, and Shaul. Shalom was his son, Mibsam his son, and Mishma his son. The sons of Mishma were Hamuel his son, Zakur his son, and Shimai his son. Now Shimai had sixteen sons and six daughters, but his brothers did not have many sons, nor did all their family increase like the sons of Judah. They lived in Beersheba, Molada, and Hazar Shual. In Bilha, Azayim, Tolad, Bethuel, Horma, Ziklag, Beth, Bet, or Bet, Markaboth, Hazar, Sushim, Beit Biri, and Sha'arim. These were the cities until the reign of David. Their villages were Atom. Ain, Rimon, Token, and Ashan, five cities, and all their settlements that were round around the same the same cities as far as Baal. These were their dwellings, and they have their genealogy. Meshubab, Yamlek, Yosha, the son of Amaziah. Yoel, Jehu, the son of Yoshebiah, uh, the son of Sariah, the son of Aziel, and Elioni, Yaakobah, Yeshohiah, Isaiah, Adiel, Yesemiel, Benaiah, and Ziza, the son of Shifi, the son of Alon, the son of Yadiah, the son of Shimri, the son of Shemaiah. These mentioned by name were the leaders in their families, and their fathers' houses spread out greatly. They went to the entrance of Gedor, as far as the east side of the valley, to seek pasture for their flocks. They found pasture that was rich and good. And the lamb, the land was spread out on both sides and peaceful and undisturbed. For those who lived there previously were Hamites. These people, recorded by name, came in the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah, and they attacked their tents and the Moonites who were found there and utterly destroyed to this day. And they lived in their place because there was pasture there for their flocks. Them, from the sons of Simeon, 500 men went to Mount Seir with Pelatia, Nauria, Raphia, and Uziel the sons of Ishi, as their leaders. They destroyed the remnant of the Amalekites who escaped, and they have lived there to this day. 
First Chronicles chapter 5, the genealogy from Reuben. Now the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, for he was the firstborn, but because he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given to the sons of Joseph, or Joseph, the son of Israel. So he is not enrolled in the genealogy according to the birthright. Though Judah prevailed over his brothers, and from him came the leader, yet the birthright belonged to Joseph. The sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, were Hanok, again, this is another name for Enoch, and Palu, and Hezron, and Carmi. The sons of Yoel, or Joel, were Shemaiah, his son, Gog, his son, Shemai, his son, Mekah, his son, Reiah, his son. Baal, his son. Imagine, imagine naming your imagine naming your son Baal. Imagine that. Okay. Hey, cute little baby there. What's his name? Baal. Baal. Baal, his son, and Biera, his son, whom Tilgath Pelnezer, king of Assyria, took into exile. He was leader of the Reubenites. His relatives, by their families, into the genealogy of their generations were. Yael, the chief, then Zechariah, and Bela, the son of Uz, the son of Shema, the son of Yoel, who lived in Aror, as far as Nabo, and Baal Meon, Baal Meon. Toward the east, he settled as far as the entrance of the wilderness from the river Euphrates, because their livestock had increased in the land of Gilead. In the days of, of Saul, they made war with the Hagrites, who fell by their hand, so that they occupied their tents throughout the land, of, the, the land east of Gilead. Now the sons of Gad lived opposite them in the land of Bashan as far as Selica. Joel, or yeah, Joel, was the head of Shapham the second, then Yanai and Shaphat in Bashan. Their relatives of their father's households were Mikael, Mikael, or Michael, Meshulam, Sheba, Uri, Yachan, Zia, and Eber, seven. These were the sons of Abihel, the son of Huri, the son of Yaron, Yaro, the sons of the son of Gilead, the son of Mikael, the son of Yesh, Yeshishai, the son of Yado, the son of Booz. Again, imagine naming your son Booz. What's his name? Oh, you got you got twins. What's the name of the one? Baal. What's the name of the other? Booze. Verse 15. He, the son of Abdiel, the son of Guni, was the head of their father's households. They lived in Gilead, in Bashan, in its towns, and in all of it, excuse me, and in all the pasture lands of Sharon, as far as their borders. All of these were enrolled in the genealogies in the days of Yotham, king of Yehuda or Judah. 
And in the days of Jeroboam, Jeroboam, king of Israel, the sons of Reuben, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, consisting, consisting of valiant men, men who carried shield and sword and shot with a bow and were skillful in battle, totaled 44,760 who went to war. They war against the Hagrites, Yetur, Nafish, and Nodab. They were helped against them, and the Hagrites who were with them were handed over to them, for they cried out to God in the battle, and he answered their prayers because they trusted in him. They took away their livestock. They took away their livestock, their 50,000 camels, 250,000 sheep, and 2,000 donkeys, and 100,000 people. For many fell mortally wounded because the war was of God. It's a, and stop here for a second. I think it's amazing how it's like the war, they knew the war was of God because many fell mortally wounded. That's the way, that's the way it sounds. For many fell mortally wounded, wounded because the war was of God. And they settled in their place until the exile. Now the sons of the half-tribe of Manasseh lived in the land from Bashan to Baal Hermon, Senir, and Mount Hermon. They were, they were numerous. These were the heads of their father's households, Efer, Ishi, Eliel, Azriel, Jeremiah, Hodaviah, and Yadiel. Valiant, mighty men, famous men, heads of, the, of their father's households. But they were untrue to the God of their fathers and prostituted themselves with the gods of the peoples of the land whom God has destroy, had destroyed before them. So the God of Israel stirred up the spirit of Pool, king of Assyria. That is the spirit of Tilgath-Pilnazer, king of Assyria. And he took them into exile, namely the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and brought them to Hala, Habor, Hera, and to the river of Gozan, where they are to this day. Great Deception says, not necessarily out loud. I think that's in the context of <clears throat> saying no to God. Yes, that's true. Absolutely. Seek Truth in Christ says, Shalom all. Shalom. Good to see you. Welcome. Jordan says, Shalom. Shalom, Jordan. Good to see you. Byron says, I'm currently going reading this book on chapter 10, so you've passed the genealogies. Congratulations. You've passed the genealogies. If you've read, if you've read up to cha chapter 10, that is. Assuming that. Uh, going Nowhere says, do you believe... Do you believe people really have apparitions of Mary slash Jesus? Um, well, I mean, there's two questions there. Mary and Jesus. Let's, uh, like, do people have apparitions of Jesus? Absolutely, they do. Um, many people uh, have a vision of Jesus, for sure. No doubt about that. Um, 
people think that Paul is like the apostle Paul is like, you know, the perfect man and everything that he says and writes is the word of God because he, because he had a vision. Um, many people have had visions, many, many, many people. In fact, almost everybody that I know personally in regards to like people that are, you know, claim to be, uh, men or women of faith, Yes. Apparitions of Mary. I'm not so uh, familiar with that. Um, anything is possible. Again, you know, uh, th this goes into the whole, you know, uh, it goes into another whole doctrine when it comes to that. But yeah, can Mary appear to people? Yeah, she can. Yes, she can. Um, just like Jesus can, just like anybody can, like, you know, um, any any of the uh, saints of old, any of the patriarchs can, you know, if God so allows them to. Byron. <clears throat> Byron says, because they trusted God, he answered their prayers. That's awesome. Yeah, that is very awesome. That is. That is. Absolutely. Great deception. Uh, I've heard a translation of Baal or Baal is Lord. Did you ever hear that? Yeah. Actually, that is what uh, one of the translations. I know that another another word that's translated Lord is Adonai. Right? So we got Adonai that's translated Lord. Uh, the Lord in all capitals, of course, that's the Tetragrammaton. That's the four-letter name of God. Uh, but yeah, Baal or Baal, Baal is another word that uh, is translated lord um for that reason some people don't like saying lord they say if you say lord it's basically you're you are um basically calling on the name of baal but i you know i i don't really i don't buy that uh we know that uh, for example david himself king david called god baal perizim the lord of the breakthrough um God can take many different titles. However, there there are other gods that have the name Baal as well. It's like it's like God, right? It's it's just like that. Um, the God, you know, the true God, we call him God, but there are other gods too as well, right? Um, other things that people worship as God, or you know, yes. Jerry says, but it's not, it's not really them in these visions. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you have to, uh, I, I, let me just say, let me just say that in regards to these visions, um, yeah, like personally, I've had a vision of Jesus. I mean, it's completely changed my life, right? Uh, I, I know lots of other people have too as well. Uh, and we just read there earlier about Saul and that um, spirit, spiritual, spiritist, uh, medium, uh, had a vision of Samuel. I believe I know some people might say it wasn't really Samuel. 
I think it was. It didn't really, it identified him as Samuel. It didn't say anything other than that. Uh, I did, there is a, a, a testimony, and I, me- I mentioned this a few times before in the past, of uh, what happened in the Six-Day War. Of in the Six-Day War, when um, the uh, nation of Israel took uh, Jerusalem back, and the story goes that there was this one time in the in the um, in the war. There was this one time in that war that they that Israel could have lost everything. They could have lost the war. Like they were, it was they were right there, just at the threshold of losing, because the uh, you know the the enemy uh, troops and you know the enemy army was was uh, the their enemies were had them cornered basically and um all of a sudden everybody just up and ran took off ran away and and left Israel left the soldiers of Israel um just suddenly and one of the uh, uh one of the uh, soldiers, one of the people from the IDF got a hold of one of these people, uh, ca- captured one of these people and said, you know, ask them, why did everybody run away? You could have won the war, but you didn't. You all, all, all you, like, you, you, these guys, you just ran away. Why'd you run away? And the guy that, that, that the guy said, well, didn't you see him? They're like, who, who are you talking about? And he said, well, just when we were, we were about to just wipe you guys out and take Jerusalem back, like keep, you know, get that Jerusalem would be, we would win. Just when we were about to do that, Abraham appeared between us and you. And everybody just took off and Israel won. Israel got Jerusalem. Um, can God do that? Sure he can. Absolutely. Absolutely, you know, and there's there are many different um, stories of of this kind of thing going on. So, Mount of Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah appeared. We know that Elijah didn't die, so it wasn't really an apparition. Now, it's either a Moses was resurrected; he was resurrected, and he came back on the Mount of Transfiguration to, you know, to show up there with Jesus or two, it was an apparition. Jerry says they are dead. Well, we talked, we just, I just mentioned a, a, a testimony of Abraham. Uh, Jesus himself said, Yeshua himself said, God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, he's not God of the dead, but of the living. So no, they are not dead. The brick train, can you please help? My Wi-Fi extender is telling me that I'm thinking telling me whether I'm thinking good or bad thoughts and telling me not to eat. Um, <clears throat> I've, been, I've been obeying because it confessed Jesus is Lord when I asked it. Um, 
consider, you know, uh, assuming this is not just a joke, okay? Um, first of all, eat and eat well, okay? Eat and eat well. If this is really happening and this is not just a joke, one of the things that could be causing you to be hearing and having these kind of things is um, is your diet. If you're not eating, I mean, you said here you're obeying it. You're not eating. Uh, you know, I would seriously go to the doctor, get a checkup, make sure you eat well, well, well balanced meal. Okay, number one, get yourself some good food. Get your brain some good food. Okay, after that, number two is make sure nothing in your house is giving any legal ground to the enemy. No secular movies, no secular music, no idols anywhere. No, no occultic act, uh, books or paraphernalia anywhere. Ouija boards or anything like that. Nothing like that whatsoever. Books about it, books about New Age, nothing like that whatsoever. And number three, just because I don't care whether it's a Wi-Fi extender or, you know, a piece of bubble gum or if it's your neighbor or if it's your pastor, just because they say Jesus is Lord doesn't mean anything. It really doesn't. Everybody says Jesus is, I'm not, I'm not everybody, but almost everybody. I know people that are full of evil that say that Jesus is Lord. So don't, don't buy into that frivolous, shallow uh, theology, okay? That's not how you determine whether it is, a, it is of God or not, okay? You know, people, anybody, and I'm sure even, uh, uh, without mentioning any names, because if I mention names, I might get, you know, with, without even mentioning any names, I'm sure some of the most evil men in this world that's ever lived probably, at least some of them, confess Jesus is Lord. Doesn't that doesn't mean a thing. It really doesn't. Number one, do you obey the Torah? Do you that's number one. You can confess Jesus is Lord until you're blue in the face. Doesn't mean anything because if you're if your actions are not confessing Yeshua as Lord, especially seeing that Yeshua is a teacher of the Torah. You can't confess Jesus as Lord with your mouth or with your actions and be against the law that he instituted. Christina says, wasn't the medium really surprised and scared that it worked though? She seemed to, she, uh, she didn't seem used to actually communicating with the dead. Uh, yeah, it seems like she was very surprised. I think the reason being is because she recognized who that was that was who it was she recognized who that spirit was uh, she recognized it was samuel and then she put two and two together oh samuel the the, the here's the prophet and the king the king's got to be nearby oh there's the king oh whoa 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 hold on a second i think i think that's kind of like what happened i think she realized whoa samuel like this is like this is like next to the king, right? This is like next to the king, Samuel. And perhaps Samuel, perhaps Samuel doesn't really give us all the detail either. I don't think, I, you know, it could have been something like perhaps Samuel even greeted Saul. Um, I think that's what really surprised her. 
Jerry says the dead are asleep. Um, figuratively speaking, their, their physical body, yes. Their spiritual body, no. Even as, you know, people who say that, even as, even as Paul said, right, to be absent with the Lord is to, or to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Yeah, brick train. You you seriously need to eat eat well, and um, you definitely need to uh, clean house if if that's if that's the case. Yeah, yeah. So Mike Mike puts it really well. Yeah, Wi-Fi extender does not equal God. So Jerry again says the vision that appeared to Paul claimed to be Jesus. Okay, so I mean you're focusing in on one out of perhaps millions of of um of people's testimonies. Whether or not Paul actually had an experience with Jesus is really that's besides the point. I mean, yeah, I mean you take a million people that say that they had an experience with Jesus, sure you're going to get people that that really didn't, but of course you're going to get people who really did. Good advice from one John. Uh, you know, if you think that your Wi-Fi is giving you mixed signals, then turn it off and use cabling instead. Yeah, yeah, the cable guy. Jerry says, are you saying that our spirits are consciously alive with Jesus in heaven after we die? Well, not everybody. A few, very, very few people for sure. Uh, you said you don't believe that. Well, um, I would encourage you to do some research into a lot of people who have uh, virtually certain. Uh, I mean, it's 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 a. I, I would encourage you to do your research into people who have had experiences being clinically dead, being resuscitated or resurrected. And coming back to talk about what they experienced. And I'm not talking about just, you know, going to heaven or going to hell. I'm talking about people who actually, there are many people, many, many, many people. We, I can, uh, we can spend, you know, you can spend a whole evening talking about testimonies of people who have had, uh, they've been declared dead, flatlined. They said their spirit comes out of their body and they go places and they see things and they experience things and they hear people and they see people and they hear things and they see things that would be absolutely impossible for them to hear or see if they were really dead. And it's absolutely impossible for them to hear or see it if it's a hallucination because a hallucination by, by, uh, by definition is, is hearing or seeing something that's not real. Whereas these people, they've heard some saw things that when they come back to their body, they can they say, "Hey, I was I was just at my house, and this is what's happening, you know, right now." And you you know you call them, and it's like, "Is it true? Yeah, it's true. There's no absolutely no way of knowing that. Absolutely no way." Uh, 
there, there are some very, I'm not talking about just one or two testimonies. I'm talking about many, many people who've had, uh, I think the evidence is very, very, very convincing. Um, and again, this is not just one or two people out of the same church because somebody might say, well, was the, maybe it's something, you know, no, this is ta I'm talking about people from all over the world. Do I know an exorcist, though? Um, it's not going to help. An exorcist will not help you. If, you. if an exorcist comes to your house, okay, and casts out this spirit, okay, if, first of all, this thing is there. This spirit is there, be it because of malnutrition or some kind of spiritual problem or something. The spirit is there for some reason. That's what I'm saying. The spirit is there. It has a quote unquote legal right to be there somehow. Perhaps it's something you're doing or not doing. Perhaps it's something that somebody else did uh, that is in your house or someone else did who owned, maybe that Wi-Fi adapter was owned by somebody else. Maybe it's secondhand, I'm not sure. Whatever the case is, or another object in your house. Um, and if you have an exorcist come and cast a spirit out, if the legal right for, that, for, for an evil spirit to be there is not removed, then as Yeshua said, that spirit's going to come back with seven times more, okay? It's going to be worse in the end. That's why I said, that's why I answered you the way I answered you, because I know you don't really need an exorcist. You need, uh, first of all, you need to make sure you're healthy. You need to go to the doctor. You need to talk to your doctor about this. And you need to make sure you, you, you clean up spiritually, because if you clean up spiritually, then this thing has no right to be there. It, it, it'll flee. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It doesn't say it, it doesn't say resist the devil and get an exorcist. Mike says no spirit sleeps under the altars, some awakening. Ask how much longer. Amen to that. Amen to that. Absolutely. Spirits don't need to sleep. They don't sleep. It's it's preposterous to think that they do. Spirits don't. Your body does. Now, according to your body, in a physical sense, yeah, you're sleeping. The body's sleeping. It will be raised again when the, when the spirit comes back to the body. Um, but until then, you know, no. Uh, the spirit is <laughs> spirit is spirit. It doesn't need to have a rest. Jerry says, I thought that Jesus told his disciples that after his ascension, he wouldn't be seen again until the second coming. Um, where does it say that? And John says the same thing. Um, well, I mean, it's I, I, what, what uh, one John says, what about the parable of the rich man and Lazarus? It tells you uh, where it tells you about where the dead are. Yeah. Very, very good. Uh, Luke chapter 16. I would highly, highly encourage you to. Um, to study that. Jerry says, that's a parable? No. Uh, whoever told you that don't know what parables are because parables never use real names. They never, it, never use like proper names, like Lazarus. Okay? That's not a parable. 
If you if you think I'm wrong, I challenge you to, to show me another parable, like a real parable, a legit parable that doesn't have that has, I should say, a proper name in it, like John, Mary, or some kind of name like that, Lazarus, or something like that. No, this is he's talking about a real person. Obviously, it's not it's not just hypothetically speaking. It's not just a um, parable. Will Senior, Will, good to see you. Welcome. Uh, about visiting a church, Sunday church, from time to time, at the hopes that we may plant truth about Torah. Um, I'm not sure if I missed. I'm not sure if I missed. Um, one of your. Uh, sorry, it just it just it kind of sounds like. I'm just checking to see if I missed another uh, uh, another one of your comments, but I'm not sure. I'm sorry. I'm not sure if that's a question or a statement. Um, maybe ask the question. Uh, do I know that question for you? Do I know that question for you? Just curious if my daughter committed suicide, she will be forgiven. She was only 16. Is her soul not resting? <sighs> that's a very difficult, that's super difficult. It's a super difficult question. Probably one of the most difficult questions I could ever get. Um, In, in all of my days, uh, you know, first of all, like, um, I, it's, it's, I'm not sure if this is really something that really happened to your daughter. If it is, um, my condolences. Really, really sorry to hear that. Uh, yeah, my heart goes out to you if, if, that's, if that's what happened to your daughter. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really sorry to hear that. Um, so that's a super tough question. Uh, so Committing suicide is violating one of the one of the more serious commandments. You're, it's murdering yourself, um, and that's a very serious. That's a very serious thing. So, I have heard a number of testimonies, a number, a number, a number of them. I can't tell you how many of them. It wasn't just a couple of people who have attempted and they did, they basically did die for a little while. Uh, and again, they were resuscitated, brought back to life. And every single one of them did not have a good experience. Let me just say that. Um, 
every single one of them had a very horrific experience to come back to tell people about and warn them about. Uh, your question is her soul not resting. No, no. Uh, To answer your question, the answer is no. Uh, soul is not resting. Uh, again, I'm I'm really really sorry. I mean, th this is super super uh, serious, and I understand. Sorry about that, BB. Sorry to read that, and sorry to hear that. Jerry says, we can't give medical advice with this lim limited information. It's important for flexible, fixable medical causes to be ruled out. Certainly, certainly is. Again, I, it doesn't sound like you've done a lot of research into this. I would encourage you to do. Because if you do, I've said it very often. There's there's no such thing as undeniable evidence. Um, but this is very very close. <laughs> I I I wholeheartedly believe that there's no such thing as undeniable evidence. People can deny anything. People can deny anything. But the evidence that we have that people, when they die, their spirit, their conscious spirit actually comes out of their body and goes places and sees things and hears things in a very conscious, very, very memorable way. They're very much alive. They're very much there. And they come and they, again, um, I know I keep on telling these testimonies because I because these are things that are just foremost in my mind. And I've talked about this several times over the past few weeks. But one such testimony, um, I'll just share one such testimony. And again, you can find, trust, trust me, you can find many testimonies like this. One such, such testimony is this woman who was at the point of death in the hospital to the point where the doctor said, call her family in. She's not going to make it. Tell them to come in right now. If they don't, they're not going to see her alive. So they made all the calls. And in another part of the hospital, not the room where she was in, okay, but another part of the hospital, there was the waiting room way down in the other part. It was a waiting room. And so the these family members would be in the waiting room. So this woman, apparently before the family members came in, before the family came in to, to basically to have their last words with her, she already passed away. She already died. She flatlined, all that kind of thing. She said, because she was resuscitated later, she said when she flatlined, she came out of her body. She saw everything was going on. She could hear everything clearly. She could see everything clearly. She was there and she was like, wow. And she could see the doctors and the nurses working on her. She was like, beep, flat line. Everything was, I mean, there was no, no life in her whatsoever. Trying to bring her back to life. She saw that. She said that she 
was there. And then she just, she's like, well, she's going to walk out. She walked down the hallway. She walked down the hallway while all this stuff was going on. And she says she went to the waiting room and she saw her family there. And to her, she was like, just like she wasn't her, like she, it wasn't any different than when she was in her body. Like she actually pretty much forgot she was out of her body. She's like, and so uh, she overheard her brother-in-law say, oh man, like she's got to, why she got, she got to die now. I got to, I got an important business trip that I have to go on. I have an important business trip that I have to go on. And now I'm going to have to be a pallbearer. Like, pff, come on. Like she's, why does she have to die now? And she's, she's like, she said she was just standing right beside him going like, really? Like, really? Like, how dare you? And he couldn't hear her because she was just in her spirit form. But she, again, it was so real to her. Like she was so, it was such a real experience. She said she didn't, she didn't even, she forgot she was out of her body. She thought she even got even more angry that they, that, that he wasn't responding to her. Several after after uh, I forget how long it was. It was a period of time. They finally got a heartbeat going. She came went right back, right back to her body. She she came came back. So after she was resuscitated and after she was like stabilized a little bit, um, they called the family in. Of course, now's the time to come in. We don't know if she's going to last, you know, anymore. And on another hour, we don't know. Come in. So. Their family came in, you know, couple here, a couple there. And finally, her brother, brother-in-law came in. And when her brother-in-law came in, she said, next time I die, you go on that business trip. I don't want you to be my, my pallbearer anyway. Forget about it. And he's like, what? She's like, I know what you said. I was there right beside you. Don't tell me that. Don't, don't you try to deny it. I know what you said. He's like, Oh, I didn't, I didn't know. Like, oh. Anyway, it was proven that he said that word for word. There's no way. I don't care. I mean, like I said, there's no such thing as undeniable evidence, but this is very close. <laughs> I mean, you can deny it if you want. I mean, you d deny it if you want, okay? But I'm not going to deny it. <laughs> and we see lots of pe lots of things like that that happen when people die. They come back and they say, "Oh, I was just home and I saw grandpa, you know, and I saw I, I saw grandpa, he was doing this." And it's like, "He what? Are you sure?" Let me just call home and see if that's what's going on. Hey, is that what that? Oh, you How did you know? Well, I was there. It's like absolutely no way it's you don't need medical advice to to see the clear facts before you don't you don't need medical this is not really this is beyond medical okay this this is clear call like this is clear evidence right before your eyes do your studies do it research this stuff without talking about it Research it first, then talk about it later. After you've researched, um, uh, let me see how long. How many would I say? I mean, I I have a book with hundreds of them in. Um, I don't know, twenty, 
Research 20 of them, just 20, just 20. And if you still deny it, then uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. But I'm, I certainly can't deny that kind of evidence, okay? And see, like, again, all of these things, like, why bring up Paul or why bring up, La so where was Lazarus? Where was Joe Blow? I don't know. Like, what, what does that get to do with it? Really? Like, what, really, what does that get to do with it? Where, <laughs> you know, where, where was Moby Dick? I don't know. Yeah, BB, I see. Okay, so again, I'm my condolences. Very, very, and I saw there there was a, a questions about like age and stuff like that, age of accountability, and you know, typically speaking, the age of accountability it depends how. Again, this is something that normally it's like twelve for females and thirteen for males around there, but it's. You, I would think it can be even uh, younger than that, but um, what I would say is this, okay, like, I would just leave it in the hands of God. I would just leave it in the hands of God. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get, don't get upset about it. I, I mean, unreasonably i i what can i say um just leave it into the hands of god it's nothing that can be done um i mentioned this the other day there was a a friend of mine a very a very close friend of mine that i haven't heard from for several i don't know how many years he used to call me every day he used to call me every day and then he stopped calling me. And I know whenever he stops calling me, when he stopped calling me, I knew that he was backsliding. Because it's like, you know, I'm just, I'm just pushing on to God. I'm just pushing on with the Lord. I'm pushing on with God. I want to learn more. I want to walk with God more. I want to, you know, all this kind of stuff. But, you know, when, when you got somebody that's like that is walking with God and then someone else who kind of breaks fellowship with, with that person normally, that person is backsliding, and he, and he did backslide. Excuse me, he did backslide. So, um, after a number of years, he called me again. Out of the blue, he called me. And then he says, you know, he's talking about troubles that he, like, super, like serious trouble, like troubles that he had, is going through. And I asked him a question. I said, you know, are you think are you thinking about ending it all? Are you thinking about you know taking your life? And he said yes. And when he said that, I knew it was serious. Why? Because I had to ask him. He didn't pull it on. He didn't pull the, you know, like some people would use it as a you know, as a tool, manipulation. They try to you know manip manipulate people by this kind of thing. You know, I've I know this happens 
um, quite often actually, but I knew he wasn't because I had to basically pry it out of him. And he said, yes. And when he said, yes, I knew it was serious. So when he said, yes, I said right away, I said, I'm coming to your place. I'll be there as soon as I can. I'll see you very soon. And I hung up and I, I jumped right in, uh, jumped right in, right in my car, right in, right in my vehicle and just went there right away. And I got there and I sat in his dining room at a dining table across from him. It was just me and him. And I went through some of the testimonies of people who have taken their life, but they were brought back and how they went, each one of them went to hell. And I told him about that. And I warned him. And I said, you know, if you do this, the truth of the matter is, I'm not going to candy coat it. The truth of the matter is you're going to, you, you are, you're trading bad for ugly to say the least. You are trading bad for ugly for, to say the least. You think that you're, you think that it's going to end it all? It's just going to begin. It's, and you, trouble for you hasn't even begun if, if you're going to do that. That was, I don't know, maybe about 12 years ago or so. Okay. He's still alive today. He's still alive today. On the other hand, you've got people like, again, I don't want to mention names because there's a celebrity who overdosed basically taking their own life. And when this, when this celebrity died, uh, an evangelist, um, pastor, uh, Greg Laurie actually is his name. Uh, he went public and he said, now, now this celebrity is in the hands of Jesus. Now, now this celebrity is, you know, is in the hands of Jesus. I sent Greg Laurie an email right away. And I said, listen, please, I understand, you know, I understand how, you know, you want to say that. But you need to tell the truth. Because if you don't, someone else is going to look at that and say, hey, I want to go to the hands of Jesus too and do the same thing. I warned him about that. And he sent me, he got one of his cronies to send me an email back and, you know, just covering up saying, oh, you know, we, we, you know, all this kind of stuff. Like, and this celebrity's daughter did the exact same thing. It wasn't that long afterwards. Now both of them are gone. I believe if Greg Laurie actually told the truth in love, that celebrity's daughter would still be alive, just like how my best friend is still alive. It's a serious thing. And it's very, very difficult because I understand there's, it's, it's very, very difficult.
it's, it's, it's almost like being between a rock and a hard place. It's just like on one side, there's a, there's a lot of grief and sorrow and pain on the other side, perhaps even more, but to tell the, but to, but to not tell the truth about it can create more problems. I, I, in my own, in my own, uh, opinion. Um, Maine says, thank you, sir. Also, do you think that the books of Jasher and Jubilees are real? Well, it depends what you mean by real. Um, the real, uh, and I do believe the book of Jasher, like, there are a few different kinds of Jashers out there. There are different kinds, um, totally different ones. Like this book of Jasher can be totally different than the other book of Jasher. Um, I do believe, though, the book of Jasher uh, that starts out, let me see now. The book of Jasher that you have in the sacred text, sacred-texts.com, I do believe that one is the one that the Bible refers to. Um, this one here. I'll show you guys. The book of Joshua referred to in Joshua, okay, so faithfully translated from the original Hebrew into English. Um, one from Salt Lake City, published by J.H. Perry and Company. This is the one I, I, I believe is the one that's legit, uh, the one that is talking, that the Bible talks about. Having said that, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that there's no errors in it. I'm not saying that everything it says is true. Same with the book of Jubilees. I think that both the book of Jasher and the book of, book of Jubilees both have their problems. However, they should be studied by every Christian. They should be. They are very important texts. The book of Jasher, the one I just showed you, is uh, an ancient Hebrew text, um, and some people even believe that it, ca it came all it went all the way back to um, the destruction of the temple in seventy A.D. and that's when it was found. Some one of the theories is that's what happened. That's how it was found to begin with. So, in the book of Jubilees, definitely is more. Uh, if I were to choose between Jubilees and Jasher, I'd probably go with Jubilees over Jasher just because there's more evidence uh, for Jubilees because um, the book of Jubilees was found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's also witnessed and testified by the Ethiopian Temwahedo Orthodox Church, uh, and they both they're both the same book of Jubilees. Um, like there's two witnesses there uh, that both go way back thousands of years. And so I think the, the book of Jubilees is definitely, if you want to call it real, real, yes. Um, am I saying that it's without mistake? No, I'm not saying it's without, without mistake. There can be mistakes in there. But I think it's definitely um, worth studying for sure. Uh, once again, I'm sorry, guys, I cannot 
and cannot um I cannot read all these comments. Bibi says thank you. You're welcome, Bibi. Yeah, again, Bibi, like I, I'm just reading a little bit more of your comments here and stuff. Like we can only hope that there was enough time there that you know perhaps mercy was you know we can only hope. I I can only I can only say uh, and I believe that I I would be. I would be negligent to not say what I what I have seen and what I know about it, and I'm not. <laughs> perhaps some somehow there was some time to obtain mercy. Let's hope. Um, so, Yes, my heart goes out to you. My heart goes out to you for sure. Jerry says, are you saying the final judgment occurs for each of us at our particular deaths, not all together at, at the end of time? No, that's not what I'm saying. Um, if you read the book of Second Esdras, okay, I believe what it says in there, okay, that... When a person dies, their body, you know, their body goes into rest. Okay, their body, their their body gets just, you know, destroyed or, or uh, however you might want to call it, it goes into the grave, and uh, and rests. Their spirit goes to another place. Depending on your spiritual condition upon your death, your spirit will either go to a place that people would call heaven or paradise, or go to a place where people would call hell. And hell has different, again, quote unquote hell, I say that, uh, because there are different, there are different, uh, again, if you uh, if you're really interested in this, Jerry, uh, I, I would really encourage you to do studies on this kind of stuff. People who, uh, witnesses that have experienced these things, and you, and you know, they, especially witnesses who have, you know, they can say, you know, I legit was pronounced dead. Um, and they go to, they experience you know, one place or the other. Sometimes some people experience both places because they, they have like a little bit of a tour. Uh, angels, I've, I've had, I've heard several people say that angels have took them around. Okay, here's the place for the righteous and here's the place for the unrighteous. Um, and that's just a holding place until the great, the, the final judgment. So let's say you have a, a spirit um, this is what we were talking about there the other day too. When the person sins, their spirit enters a enters a state of death. The spirit is still there; they still have life and breath. Okay, their their body uh, is still still has a spirit in it, but that spirit has entered a state of death or hell kind of thing. Um, 
that's why a lot of people believe that hell is on earth because to them hell is on earth and the only heaven they have is with their with their physical body basically with you know the money and the pleasures of the world uh if if it wasn't for that they'd be they'd be in bad in a bad place and that's exactly what will happen to them if they don't uh find that regeneration of their spirit so when a when a person sins the spirit dies or let me put it this way enters a state of death their spirit's still there still exists within their body still gives them breath within their body their consciousness is still there right their conscious spirit their soul is still there but their soul enters a state of death When a person becomes born again, like truly born again, when a person really becomes saved, what happens is that spirit gets gets resurrected. So you no longer are dead in your sins. You are alive to him. If you read the book of uh, the Shepherd of Hermas, it used to be in the Bible, by the way, the Shepherd of Hermas, somehow it slipped through the fingers of the scribes or the Bible publishers, but I think it should still be in the Bible, in my own opinion, but um, it talks a lot about this kind of stuff, about being dead to God versus being alive to God. The spirit can be dead to God. There are a lot of people, actually the vast majority of the world today, their spirits are there, their spirits are in existence, their spirits are given their body life and breath, but their spirits are really in a state of death. Not really, it's de- their, their spirits are dead to God. When a person repents and gets born again, and you know the Spirit of God comes into their life and the Spirit of God resurrects their spirit, so now their spirit is not existing in a state of death, but rather in a state of life. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, but now you are alive in the Lord. Now you are alive to God, as it would say in in, uh, the Shepherd of Hermas. So let's say, for example, if you die when you are, let's say you got, um, again, Joe Blow, okay? Just Joe Blow. Joe Blow, he's a sinner. He's got a body. He's got a spirit. He's got a soul. But his spirit and his soul are in a state of death. Like zombies almost like. The spiritual a spiritual zombie, okay? It's in a spirit it's in a state of death. Yeah, it's still there. It's existing. It's it's giving their body breath. That's what spirit actually means breath. So when if that if Joe Blow dies in that state, in that spiritual state of death, their body rests is asleep but joe blow's spirit that is in a state of horrible it's a horrible state dead to god where is that what's going to happen to that spirit not going because that spirit is dead to god that spirit cannot experience anything i mean it, it's in the, it's a, it's in a state of darkness it's in a state of pain it's in a state of emptiness so that spirit will and will go to that 
will just naturally go to that hold, holding place, as if you were, or hell. Hell being a place of darkness, emptiness. Some people, when they die and they say they go to hell, they they describe it as darkness and emptiness and torment and in horror. Some people say that they experience flames. Some people say they, they experienced both parts of hell. You got the darkness part and the flames part. Regardless of the fact, when you when your body dies, your spirit gets locked into that state that it's in. If it's a state of death, it's locked into that state of death. So it will go on existing in a conscious state, existing in that darkness, in that dankness, in that gloom, in that emptiness, in that curse, that state of being cursed. It will be it will go to that holding place as described in Second Esdras until the resurrection. And then when the resurrection happens, the spirit will reunite back with the body. And then the final judgment will happen when the body and the spirit will meet their final end. Okay. Or meet their final destination anyway. So on the other hand, if you got someone who is saved, i.e. let's say they have repented, the spirit of God has come to them. The spirit of God has breathed life into their spirit. There's the Spirit of God has re, regenerated them, regenerated their spirit. So their spirit is not in a state of darkness and emptiness and cursing. Their spirit is in a state of light and fullness, joy and blessing. They live like that. And you hear people talk like this when they get saved. I've, I've another friend of mine, okay? I remember him. He, he I haven't seen him talk about many years. I haven't seen him for many years, but I remember him. Uh, he would always say to me, you know, when I got saved, the grass got greener, the sky got bluer, the trees, all of a sudden those trees that I, that I, that I really hated, it, it was just, everything was just so beautiful. How did that happen? Why did that happen? Because his spirit, which existed in a conscious state of death and cursing and gloom and darkness, that spirit got regenerated by the spirit of God and that darkness went away. Light came in, joy came in, blessing came in, fullness came in and his spirit now, he's like, a, he's born again, born in, born again in the spirit. Okay. And so that spirit is the regenerated spirit. That's why to him, everything was just so more enjoyable everything was just so more so so much more enjoyable because his spirit that was in a state of death now is a, is in a state of life now if he were to die in that state of life that spirit would go to the place of life of joy of blessing and stay there until the, the the resurrection of the uh, the final day and the final the final judgment when the final judgment then we know that spirit would be taken the body would be joined with the spirit recreated everything i mean you know the mortal will put on immortality and the final destination is new jerusalem that's what we know about okay so answering your question jerry 
Are you saying that final judgment occurs for us uh, at each of our particular deaths? No, absolutely not. I'm just saying that you get locked into your spiritual state and go to the um, respective holding place until the final judgment. That holding place can be beautiful, joyful, enter into the joy of the Lord, or not very beautiful. In fact, it could be very, very horrible. Okay. Again, uh, Jerry, please uh, look at here. Here's some here's some titles. Okay, look at um, the Lazarus phenomenon. Uh, it's a video. Look at um, Raymond Moody's uh, material on it. Raymond Moody is kind of like a pioneer in all this. He's talked about was it three thousand or I mean, how many thousand people who've had these kind of experiences. I mean, not just a few, okay? He's he, he well, well-versed in this stuff. And he's one of the ones that says, hey, there's absolutely no way you can say it's a, it's a hallucination. Sure, maybe perhaps for some. I mean, you always have the you always have the flakes, right? You always have the ones who, you always have the delusional people. You always have the people that think that, you know, they're hallucinating. Sure, you have some of these people. But don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Okay, so please uh, do yourself a favor, Jerry, uh, and look it up. Look up uh, the, this, the, the, say, the sayings of the dying. That's another one. Um, death and beyond. Uh, to hell and back is another one. Um, and plus, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure with all the stuff going on now with social media or not, but I know it used to be back in the day. I used to go on, I used to go on YouTube and just search for I have died and went to hell or i have died and went to heaven you'll see lots of testimonies again i'm not sure if things have changed since then when they could have but lots of people i'm talking about lots of people homegrown videos videos that uh you know they're not people acting hollywood they're real real people that have uh hey my great grandmother is one of them actually my great grandmother is one of them. She was on her deathbed, and the doctor told my mother, her her daughter, to to order the flowers and to um, make arrangements for the funeral. Like she was basically just she was dead. They didn't perform CPR on her. They didn't perform any kind of um, defib defibrillate. What do you call it? Defibrillators. All these kind of things on her. They didn't do that. But somehow. Miraculously, she came back to life when everybody was expecting her to be dead. And when she came back to life, she, she told wonderful, wonderful stories of what it was like to be in heaven. Beautiful. So, yeah. It's it's easy to 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 try to you know be like a lawyer and try to pick through the text, and that's that's great. We need the text, but if we don't have the witnesses, you know, then because you got people, you got like a thousand people saying a thousand different things. So which one is true? Who's the who's the right one? I would say talk to the people that have been there and done that. They 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 should be able to tell you. 
Finally, Jerry, let me give you one piece of advice. If you're serious, I'm not sure if you're serious or not, but if you're not serious, perhaps somebody else is that's listening to me. If you're serious about studying this particular topic, a rule of thumb I have learned over the years, when in doubt, don't believe anybody. Again, when in doubt, don't believe anybody that hasn't been declared dead for at least 10 minutes. The reason why I say that is because of this. Okay, let me just explain this and I'll go on. Um, by the way, any, there's so many comments here. I'm not going to, I, I can't get to them all. Please um, forgive me. But uh, if you have specific comments uh, or questions specific for me, just if you, if you could just put at Christopher there, um, I would appreciate it. That would stand out to me. So the reason why I say when in doubt, don't believe anybody that hasn't been dead for at least 10 minutes. The reason why I say that is because there are many, I've, I've said this before, there are, there, there are people, actually a good, a good amount of people that they say they have died and they say that they have, they come out of their body, they stay in the room for a while, maybe they went to the different part of the hospital for a while, then they go into the, the tunnel of, you know, flying through this tunnel with the, the light at the end of the tunnel. And when they get to the end of the tunnel, they, they, uh, they are greeted by the Lord or the light. Um, usually angels are with them. And usually, I've heard this many, many times, where again, when they take uh, these angels with the um, um, basically being uh, with the permission of the Lord, these angels give a tour of heaven, quote unquote heaven, and then go to quote unquote hell and give a tour. Many times that happens. Many times. I've heard so many testimonies. People say they go to the light and they may spend you know, several minutes there at the light. And then after that, these angels take them through heaven. You know? Meet some of the patriarchs. Meet meet uh, some of the some of their um, family or friends that have passed on that are that are in the right place, and then go to a place that they can only describe as "quote unquote" hell, um, and meet people there as well. Um, many people have done that. Okay, but there are some people who say they only go, they, they, they get as far as the light and they talk to the light a little bit and they talk to the light that, and then they come back to their body. And then they think that they're saved. They think they're on the right side with God, but that doesn't mean they're on the right side with God. Uh, I, I spoke of, um, a video, a documentary called the Lazarus phenomena. The Lazarus phenomena. Uh, in that video, there's there's a uh, uh, a gentleman by the name of Daniel who is a pastor, a Pentecostal pastor. Um, he gets in a car accident. First of all, he um, first of all he gets in an argument with his wife. Him, him and his wife they were not getting along very well. Okay. He gets in an argument with his wife, a heated, a heated argument with his wife, and in a rage he goes and jumps in a car and speeds off, and he ends up getting in an accident and dying. 
Um, he said that he went to heaven first. First. Uh, and he had angel, a couple angels with him and toured around heaven and all that. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, by the way, a lot of these people mention similar things, like the babies in heaven, like the the ones that are... Uh, the ones that are eliminated from the womb, if you know what I mean, those babies, lots, millions in heaven. Many people say they see they see these a sea of babies. Um, but anyway, Daniel, after his tour tour of heaven, the angels say, "Okay, now it's time to go and let let us show you another place." And he's like, "Oh, well, okay." It goes to a place that he calls hell. He gets there, and he says the eight, he saw people there. Uh, pastor, he saw other pastors there. He saw people there in torment, in agony, crying out, just like Lazarus, just like excuse me, not Lazarus, the rich man in Luke chapter sixteen. The rich man was crying out from the flames in torment, crying out uh, in prayer for his family. Go, someone, send someone to one of my family members to tell them, to warn them about this place so that they don't come here. Well, according to Daniel, and not just Daniel, by the way, many other people, many other people say that they see the same thing. They see people there calling out to them, praying to him, calling out to the angels, saying, please send someone to earth to tell my my my." my loved ones, not to ever come here. And the angels turned to Daniel. Remember, this is a Pentecostal, evangelical, tongue-talking pastor. The angels turned to him and said, Daniel. He said, yes. They said, Daniel, if the book of your life were to be closed today, this would be your portion. And he said he sh just shook. He's like, you've got to be kidding me. No way. I'm a pastor. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm a preacher, minister of the gospel. I preach, I speak in tongues. No way that can be true. And the, and the angel said to him, But Daniel, you are bitter against your wife. You would not forgive. You will not forgive your wife. You did not forget, forgive your wife. Therefore, God Almighty did not forgive you. And he said that even shook him harder. Because he remember what Jesus said, you forgive and the, and the Father will forgive you. If you do not forgive, the Father will not forgive you. So yeah, I do believe there are people. Like how it says in 2 Ezra, there is a time of a tour. There's a week. There's a week of tour. Okay, it doesn't have to be a week, but it says that in Second Second Ezra. So there's like a seven day period allotted where people could tour. Um, so I do believe that there are people that do go and see a light, and maybe even get, maybe even see heaven. 
But that does not necessarily mean, that doesn't mean that that is their home. Because sometimes they are they are resuscitated before they, they finish the tour, before they get as far as Daniel got. By the way, Daniel was dead for how many days? Three days? He was dead for days. He was in the morgue. And he even got, um, according to Daniel, according to his, and he even has the documents to prove it. He has the documents, okay? And the paraphernalia. He said that he was not only dead for three days in the morgue, but he was also embalmed. I know that, that I know some of you would go, oh, that, that's impossible. And nothing's nothing is impossible with God. Okay. Nothing's impossible with God. In fact, talk about the last day, the, um, uh, you know, the final, the final judgment in the last resurrection. Everybody that's embalmed is going to come back anyway. Daniel, he just happened to come back three days after he passed away. So, I mean, he had his death certificate and he had, you know, the other, he had documents. I mean, he had documents to prove what he was saying is right. And a, what, and a testimony too. So that's why I say, in your studies, make sure when in doubt, some, some of these testimonies are awesome, even if, they have, even if they were only dead for like three minutes. Some of them are just awesome. But when in doubt, especially about a person's final destiny, because you might have somebody that's totally godless. And they're like, hey, I've died and I, went, I saw a light and I, you know, and hey, I'm going to heaven when I die because I know I am. Well, how do you know? Just because you died and you got there, at least got to the light, doesn't mean that's your home. So, but if you give someone at least 10 minutes, I say that's a good rule of thumb. If they've been dead for at least 10 minutes, their testimony, I would say, holds a lot more water. Their testimony is more is much more believable. The evidence is more believable. Okay. Um, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to read two short psalms. And I'll get to your questions. Yeah, please, Jerry. I don't, I'm not sure. I, I I hardly. I didn't get. I know. I didn't. I didn't get through much of the uh, live chat at all. But please, instead of just you know shooting out all these uh, different like all this stuff, what I what I would suggest you do, Jerry, is just go and study, and come back. Let me know what you found. Go and study it up. If you can produce, you know, a reasonable amount of people who have who have the, the kind of evidence that I that I was talking about earlier, you know, where they see things, they hear things, they experience things that there's absolutely no way, no other way for them to see, hear, experience at all, unless they were actually there. 
Okay. If you can, if you can come up with a reasonable amount of those kind of testimonies and you can prove them wrong, I want to know. I'll be, the, I want to be the first one to know, Jerry. I want to be the first one to know. Come back and tell me for sure. Psalm 77, comfort in trouble from recalling God's mighty deeds. For the music director, according to Yadithun, Jonathan, a psalm of Asaph. My voice rises to God. I will cry aloud. My voice rises to God, and he will listen to me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. In the, in the night, my hand has stretched out and did not grow weary. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, then I am restless. When I sigh, then my spirit feels weak, Selah. You have held my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of long ago. I will remember my song in the night. I will meditate with my heart, and my spirit ponders. Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never be favorable again? Has his favor ceased forever? Has his promise come to an end forever? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Or has he in anger withdrawn his compassion? Selah. Then I said, it is my grief that, I, that the right hand of the Most High has changed. I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. I will certainly remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and on your, on your deeds with thanksgiving. Your way, God, is holy. What God is like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your strength among the peoples. By your power, you have redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Selah. The waters saw you, God. Waters saw you. They were in anguish. The ocean depths also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies sounded out. Your arrows flashed here and there. The sound of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea, and your paths in the mighty waters, and your footprints were not known. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Psalm 78, God's guidance of his people in spite of their unfaithfulness. A maskeel of, As of Asaph. Listen, my people, to my instruction. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will tell riddles of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not conceal them from, from their children, but we will tell the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his power and his wondrous works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, 
which he commanded our fathers, that they were to teach them to their children, so that the generation to come would know, and the children yet to be born, that they would arise and tell them to their children, so that they would put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but comply with his commandments and not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart and whose spirit was not faithful to God. The sons of Ephraim were archers equipped with bows, yet they turned back on the day of battle. They did not keep the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law. They forgot his deeds and his miracles that he had shown them. He performed wonders before their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through, and he made the waters stand up like a heap. Then he led them with the cloud by day and all the night with a light of fire. He split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them plenty to drink like the ocean depths. He brought forth streams from the rock. He made waters run down like rivers. Yet they still continued to sin against him, to rebel, to rebel against the Most High in the desert. And in their heart they put God to the test by asking for food that suited their taste. Then they spoke against God. They said, Can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Behold, he struck the rock so that the waters gushed out and streams were overflowing. Can he provide bread? Will he prepare meat for his people? Therefore the Lord heard and was full of wrath. And a fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger also mounted against Israel, because they did not believe in God and trust, and did not trust in his salvation. Yet he commanded the clouds above and opened the doors of heaven. He rained down manna upon them to eat and gave them food from heaven. Man ate the bread of angels. He sent them food in abundance. He made the east wind blow in the sky, and by his power he directed the south wind. When he... When he rained meat upon them like the dust, even winged fowl like the sand seas, he let them fall in the midst of their camp all around their dwellings. So they ate and were well filled, and he satisfied their longing. Yet before they had abandoned their longing, while, the, while their food was in their mouths, the anger of God arose against them and killed some of the some of their strongest ones and subdued the the choice men of Israel in spite of all this they sinned and did not believe in his wonder, wonderful works so he brought their days to an end in futility and their years to an end in sudden terror when them they then they sought him and they returned and searched diligently for God. And they remembered that God was their rock, 
and the Most High, their Redeemer. But they flattered him with their mouth and lied to him with their tongue, for their heart not steadfast toward him, nor were they faithful were they faithful with his covenant. But he, being compassionate, forgave their wrongdoing and did not destroy them. And often he restrained his anger and did stir up all his wrath. So he remembered that they were only flesh, a wind that passes and does not return. How often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Again and again they tempted God and pained the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power. The day when he redeemed them from the enemy, when he performed his signs in Egypt and his marvels in the field of Zoan, and turned their rivers to blood and their streams so that they did not drink, he swarmed, he sent swarms of flies among them that devoured them and frogs that destroyed them. He also gave their crops to the grasshopper and to and the product of their labor to the locusts. He destroyed their vines with hailstones and their sycamore trees with frost. He also turned their cattle over to the hailstones and their herds to bolts of lightning. He sent his burning anger among them, upon them, fury and indignation and trouble, a band of destroying angels. He leveled a path for his anger. He did not spare their souls from death, but turned their lives over to the plague, struck all the firstborn in Egypt, the first and best of their vigor in the tents of Ham. But he led his own people out like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. He led them safely so that they did not fear but the sea engulfed their enemies. So he brought them to his own, to his holy land. To this hill, this hill country, which his right hand had gained, he also drove out the nations from them and appointed them as an inheritance by measurement and had the tribes of Israel dwell in their tents. Yet they tempted and rebelled against the Most High God and did not keep his testimonies, but turned back and acted treacherously like their fathers. They turned aside like a treacherous bow. For they provoked him with their high places and moved him to jelly with their carved images. When God heard them, he was filled with wrath and he utterly rejected Israel so that he abandoned the high excuse me, so that he abandoned the dwelling place at Shiloh, the tent which he had pitched among people. And he gave up his strength to captivity and his glory into the, land, into the hand of the enemy. He also turned his people over to the sword and was filled with wrath at his inheritance. Fire devoured his young men and his virgins had no wedding songs. His priests fell by the sword, and his widows could not sleep. Then the Lord awoke from, as, from, as if from sleep, like a warrior over, overcome by wine. He drove his adversaries backwards. He put on them an everlasting disgrace. 
he also rejected the tent of Joseph. And he did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, but chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loved. And he, and he built his, his sanctuary like the heights, like the earth, which he has established forever. He also chose his servant David and took him from the sheepfolds. From the care of the ewes with nursing lambs, he brought him to shepherd, his, to, to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them with his skillful hands. All right, let's see what we have here in the comment section. Roger, Roger says uh, NDEs have been thoroughly and scientifically investigated and they show remarkable similarity. Yes, amen, Roger. Amen to that. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It absolutely is amazing. I mean, you do uh, again say to Jerry, I, I just encourage Jerry to do uh just do your studies, do your studies, and uh, and you'll see for yourself. Okay, so again, I'm sorry I can't get to all the comments. Jerry says, uh, thank you, Christopher. Didn't mean to take up so much of your time, but at present would give far more credence to Bible than anecdotal NDE. Uh, the, the thing is this. I mean... The ND um, testimonies that we're talking about does not contradict the Bible. It does not contradict the Bible. My only, my only, what I'm saying is, is you can take any text and people do it all the time. That's why there's 40, what do they say? 43, at least some people say 45,000 denominations of just the Protestant church alone. Why are there so many thousand, 40 some odd thousand denominations? I mean, it's ridiculous. Why? Because you can take a, the Bible and you can, everybody has biases, okay? Everybody has biases. Everybody has preconceived ideas. <laughs> you want some good evidence? Take that, okay? Take that. I mean, there's good evidence that you can take one book and you can twist it into 40 some odd thousand different directions. That's the truth. Okay. That's why one person can look at the very same passage of scripture and come to two opposite conclusions. So, what do you do then? The Bible says, you want Bible, Jerry? The Bible says, let everything be established by, the, by two. Or three witnesses. We can easily produce two or three hundred witnesses on this particular subject, Jerry. Okay? So, my encouraging you to investigate these witnesses is actually encouraging you to listen to the Bible. That's what I'm doing. I'm encouraging you to listen to the Bible. The Bible says you need some is there a matter that needs to be you know resolved get witnesses two or three witnesses according to the Bible is all you need we can find way more than that I tell you that much way more than that so do it obey the Bible go find yourself some witnesses you'll find them there's many of them hundreds 
I'm not asking for two or 300. Actually, I said earlier, and I'm, I'm, I'm sticking to it, 20. It's not, it's not hard to find. Find 20. Find 20 people that had, that had these experiences. Do it in the name of Scripture. Okay, guys, that's it for tonight. I will, Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow evening, and uh, we will continue with, uh, let me see what we have. Give you guys a sneak preview here. Okay, so we got, okay, so tomorrow evening we got more Psalms and one more chapter of the Chronicles. And of course, more fellowship, more questions, more uh, more comments. Uh, yeah, uh, awesome. More learning for everyone, myself included. Amen. So thank you guys as always i appreciate every one of you you guys are awesome thank you for hanging out thank you for your questions and your comments um thank you for your fellowship okay uh until next time i'll see you tomorrow evening if you can't and for those of you who are new um if you're not able to join us tomorrow evening we go live every evening 7 p.m eastern from Sunday to Friday. Saturday is 2 p.m. Eastern. 2 p.m. Eastern time. Saturday, every uh, every other day of the week is 7 p.m. Eastern. So you're all, uh, hope, hopefully I'll see you tomorrow night or as soon as possible. Thanks again, guys. You guys are awesome. You guys are world changers. You guys are world changers. You guys can change this world and you are changing this world. You are the salt of this earth. Okay, guys, let me see what we got here. In the comments, The Great Deception says, thank you. Thank you, brother. Mike says, thank you, Mr. Enoch. Mod moderator chatters and wallflowers alike. You're welcome, Mike. Roger says, thank you and shalom. Thank you again, Roger. Good to see you as always. Blessings multiplied to you guys. All you guys, you guys are awesome. Jerry says, thanks so much. Thank you again for joining us and for your questions and your comments. I appreciate you. Um, what else do we have here? Uh, we got tower time, tower time, tower time. Good to see you, brother. Stay blessed. Y'all, thanks for sharing, brother Christopher. Praise Yahweh. Yes, amen. Praise Yahweh. Amen, amen. Okay, I'll see you guys tomorrow night. As always, I pray the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you, lift up his countenance upon you, and give you wonderful, wonderful shalom. Amen. Amen. See you tomorrow night.